Welcome back to the Rich Equation Podcast. Today I have a special guest, someone who is so close and dear to my heart personally. Maya Patel is the executive chair of the Tresadia Foundation, where she oversees the foundation's vision, program, and partnerships in the philanthropic community. Maya has spent the last 10 years building the family foundation to reflect the values and work ethic that were instilled in her as a young child. Maya is also an advocate for women's rights and is passionate about using her platform and voice to represent the diverse and often untold perspectives of women of color. On this episode, we go deep and we talk to Maya about how she balances a large family life with that of running a large family foundation how she encourages people to engage in philanthropy at a young age, and how she's created a safe space and an open-door policy in her foundation for people to come and explore and engage philanthropy at their own pace. We talk about her message to future leaders and other women and how they can support each other to accomplish big things, put their egos aside, and most importantly, how to operate from a place of humility. I am so honored to call this woman my family and have her here to share her story with us today. Here she is, Maya Patel. And remember, if you enjoy this podcast or find it valuable in any way, you have a duty to share it with someone else who may need to hear this message or can get value from this content. And remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review so we can continue to bring massive value to you and go to our website, therichequationpodcast.com to be added to our mailing list for special access and content. Now here's the episode. Welcome to the Rich Equation Podcast. Rich Equation Podcast. Are you ready to discover how to live rich today and not wait for retirement? If you're tired of struggling and want to live your best life now, you're in the right place. Outdated principles will no longer work in today's environment. It's time for a new approach. Your host, Ashish Nathu, will help you discover methods to live the new American dream. It's time to start living the good life on your own terms and experience a new way to live rich. Rich. Now, here's your host, Ashish Nathu. Maya Patel, it's an absolute honor. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I, I want to share with the audience how who you are in my life and how important you are because you have known me since I was a kid. You are actually my aunt. Um, you're much more than that, but what you mean to me at least is you are my aunt and you've been really big part of raising me and actually introduced me to my wife. And I will share this for the first time. One of the first people I ever dated and immediately within five months we were engaged and just speaks to how much I adore you and endear you in my life. And you mean so much to me and I'm super excited for this conversation today because I think you have so much to share. You have stepped into so many different roles in your life. And I think there's a lot of lessons and gifts in all of those, um, those stories and those phases of your life. So I'm really excited to pull all that out of you today. So thank you for being here. It means a lot to me. Thank you for your words. It means a lot to me too, as well, because I've known you since you were a little baby and uh, I, I see this grown man and it just, uh, it, it heartens me to see you grown up like this. Well, let's, let's kind of start, tell us a little bit about the foundation and then we'll kind of go a little, we'll ping pong all over the place, but um, you're the CEO and one of the founding members of a, a very large family foundation. So tell me a little bit about the foundation and your role in the foundation. 
Sure. It's a family foundation. Uh, we um, officially started in um, 2008, and it was just um, three of us trying to figure out how to make this work. Um, with a large family, we wanted to make sure that our children also were able to grow with the foundation and learn. Um, and that, that was the genesis of the starting of it. And we also included the extended family, and which was, I think, the most um, exciting part of the whole journey. We wanted to make sure that everybody got it a taste of what it means to give and what it means to be of service. It really was more about that than anything else. Um, and the foundation has grown year by year and we're at a really solid place now where we can actually do some impact. And we're working with large organizations, um, not only just uh, locally, but nationally and as well as globally. And all of the work that we do, we think about ourselves and we put ourselves in their shoes and think, what do they need? You know, it's, we don't have the answers. We want to know what they need. And, um, we really work with relationships, making relationships, making sure that what, what the ask is isn't something that's coming from us because we mm-hmm. don't have the answers. Um, but overall, our um, foundation has focused on education, which has been a big, big part of our um, journey, health and human services uh, and economic uh, empowerment. And we've broken them up into different uh, pillars now. And we're in uh, we're calling them um, human transformation, crisis and threats and inclusive mobility it's a wide range of um, pillars and a lot, uh-huh. a lot of um, impact that happens in them. But I think because we're a large family, we have a lot of voices. We want to make sure that everybody gets heard and we want to represent everybody. And so um, some of them might not really fit into a certain pillar, but we still want to engage the family in, in this journey. And that's the biggest goal of our family is to make sure that everybody gets a chance to participate. I love that. And I want to I mean, I'm part of the foundation and our, and we started this really early and I love how you've, you guys have structured it. And I, I think people really need to understand that, you know, one of the most important things you guys instilled in us at a very early age was the education of philanthropy. Like you almost formally educated all of the members, but especially kids at a really young age about what it means to give. How do you give? What is the process and the procedures and the mechanics? And it's a, it's a business just like anything. And to learn that at a very young age, I think, and then to actually do the work, right. To travel around the world and contribute and to build and to help people like it, it instills this contribution part of you. But I think that you can say that there's a lot of power in numbers, but also, I mean, you just mentioned it. You have a lot of voices. Everyone's got their own direction. Everyone goes through different phases of their life too. So people come in and out of the foundation. So how do you manage that? Like, I know there's a brain trust and and you work on this primarily, you know, most of your time, but like other people are, it's not their day job, let's call it right. Or, um, people are coming in and out of it, whether they go to school or they're out of school or they get married or they have kids, like everyone's going through their own phase. You want to be receptive to other people, but like, how do you manage that and keep the foundation continuing to move forward? I think we've seen a lot of cycles, you know, uh, we've been uh, doing this for 10 years and we see that there were kids that were, you know, in middle school and then they transitioned to high school and some were in college and got married. So we have an open door policy, you know, we leave our doors open and we engage with the children or adults as, as needed. And we structure ourselves in a way that we have discretionary grants that we can work on with them or if they fit into a certain pillar, then we work with them in that way. Mm-hmm. If there's something that they want to do as a project for school, or if they want to do something personally, if they have a you know some 
some connection to their work, whatever it is that they want to do, we try to find organizations that fit that that bill for them. And that's basically how I think that open door policy has been. And a lot of a lot of them came for the summer for internships or they did little small skits with us and then they went off. But I think those seeds that we had sown early on really fruitify later in life. You won't really see them now. You'll see them later. And I think that's the, the beauty of the whole process. It's not something that you have to have today. You know, I think in one active service, one trip that we took to Cambodia or to India or to Costa Rica, it can be really meaningful. Like it, it doesn't have to happen at that moment. Mm-hmm. But I think years later, you can experience and go back and have that thought that, oh, you know, I did this. You know, mm-hmm. this was something I do with my family or I met these amazing people uh, while we were there. And those small experiences build up to a larger, um, you know, larger process. And I think that's where the beauty is. Um, so open door policy, leave it open whenever they're, uh, when they're ready, we're, uh, we're ready. And we have a team now that kind of manages the day to day and making sure that we're, uh, we're getting our work done. You know, we still have to do all of the work um, that doesn't ever stop, but family engagement is a, is a part of the, the whole equation. Mm-hmm. And we put a lot of time and effort behind that. And we're hoping yeah. this year uh, that we might be able to plan another trip, you know, which yeah. would be a nice surprise because that's been a long time in coming and COVID is like kind of just shut us down. But so we don't want to ever stop that. You know, I think the momentum, the the love and the care that we take in, in bringing all of our children and our, you know, um, nieces, nephews, everybody to, to come together is so important for us that we don't want to lose that thread. And it, it does ebb and flow as people are transitioning through life. Mm, I love that. I mean, you have to have a lot of grace and a lot of sp- create a lot of space and a lot of patience for that process, right? Because, you know, they're not employees, but you want the best for them and you want everyone to learn and, and participate in this journey. Um, and experience that in their life. But like you still have a foundation that you have to run and you have to get things done and you have to, you know, allocate funds and help people. And like, there's, there's real work to be done too. So I just want to commend you on how you manage that. Um, I've always thought about you as my aunt and not as, and not that you weren't before. Right. But like, I've always looked up to you as my aunt or aunt of my cousins or my sisters, but you've taken on this like leadership role in, in the business. Um, tell me about that journey for you and what have you learned in stepping into that role? Was that something that like you were just called to do? Was it something just fell in your lap and you had no choice, but to deal with it? Like, tell me about how that happened. And then also like your journey of what are the lessons you learned and what are the, some of the challenges that you had to overcome? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it was the timing. I think the timing was right that right around 2008, 2009, uh, most of my children were in high school or going into college. And so there was some open space for me. And I think that's when the opportunity came up, like, you know, we have this amazing, um, foundation that we're launching and what can we do? What do we want to do? What do we get to make it what we want to make it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think being a, a family member and having that, uh, voice and having, the knowledge and the journey, being through the journey, you know, um, growing up in Africa and being coming to this country, the whole thing, I've been part of it. So, um, and, and our success in the business is also, we were part of, we worked 
you know, day and night during um, all of those early years in the 70s of, with the motels and all of that. Um, so we have experienced every moment of that. And so when this opportunity came up, I felt like, wow, is this, is this a calling? Is this a purpose? Is this what I want to do in my life? And I had to ask myself that tough question. I really mm-hmm. did. It wasn't just like, I'm going to just do this. It took me a while to really process it and think if I go in, I want to go in, I want to go in deep. I want to go in with my heart and my mind. And I want to do it with, you know, I want to earn the respect. I think that's was the biggest part for me. Just didn't want to have it handed to me or given to me. I wanted to earn it. And so I, I dived in, I, I went to the conferences, I did all the, the calls and just learned, you know, kept absorbing as much as I could. And those are the things that I feel like were so so powerful for me, you know, and that's where I realized that this is my passion. This is something that I really want to do. And it wasn't so much about the giving back, but the, the opportunity, you know, the opportunity to lean into something that I, as a woman, as an Indian woman can step up and be proud of and see and be seen, you know, because a lot of our um, culture, the men are usually the ones that kind of are up there and represented really well. Women sometimes don't get represented that well. And I, I felt like, a mother of four children, you know, four girls, I needed to do something. And so this was my, my moment to like, okay, I can do this. I can have my family and I can, you know, um, you know, run the foundation and I can also do everything else. And, you know, and I did, you know, and I, I think that's so such a wonderful feeling to be able to say that today, 10 years later, yeah. So that was my journey. I, I think it was a calling. Um, definitely. I had to re- uh, introspect and think was a, was this something I wanted to do? As you stepped into that leadership role though, like were there things that you were blindsided about things that were more difficult than you expected? Absolutely. You know, you do have a voice and you're not shy to share it, but like to really own that role is something different. Yeah. I think it took, it was a lot of self-confidence issues first off, you know, just learning to be okay in my own skin, being able to speak on panel. I, I, there was a lot of learnings that had to happen. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm coming from a place that I've never done this before. So I had no idea, had to learn a language, had to learn so many things that I didn't understand. You know, I didn't even know how to say philanthropy at that time. <laughs> like, what is that word? Like, what does it mean? You know, it was, sure. very, it was such a, such a, like you're being plucked out of this world and you're getting put into that different place that was so new to me. Um, but I, I was up for it, you know? Um, yeah, I just, I just, I just went for it. I love that. You are such a, um, you talk about this a lot and you know, you are a woman minority, right? And you grew up on the other side of the planet. You came here, built a successful family in life. And you speak a lot about, being an advocate for women and minorities. Um, what is your hope that your voice and the work that you do has for women and minorities? I think, you know, just being acknowledged uh, is, a, is one of the first things that I think acknowledgement of any, any human is, is the first thing that I, I feel like is needs to happen. It doesn't happen enough where um, you, you don't get seen, you know, and there's ways that we can, change that, you know, and, and see that what, where, where are we coming from? Like, I always look at myself as like, where's my heart? Is my heart in this? Am I, you know, am I thinking with my head or am I thinking with my heart? And, um, you know, women tend to be able to do many things and they are multitaskers and they take on the world. <laughs> that's just, that's just, I don't know how it the happens. The future is female. Yeah, that's our world. You know, we live in it and we're okay with it, that's but right. sometimes you need some reassurance and you need a support system and you need other women to support you. I think that's the number one thing that I've learned is that 
if it's not the men that are sometimes in the way it's the women. And if we overcome that, then I think then, you know, like my sister, my, my aunt, my niece, whoever, my, my friend come together. Cause I don't want to step over you to get somewhere. I want to be with you. You know, I think that's where the, the collaborations and coming together, cooperating together and working together makes it so much easier uh, take the competition out of the room because, you know, we're all in it together. We all want to get somewhere. Well, we in my world want to make the world a better place. And so that was really easy. I think that's mm. maybe only possible in the world that I live in because, you know, we don't have to go in and pitch anything or earn that dollar. We are, we're blessed to have something to give back. Right. So I don't live in a competitive field. I, I work in a different area than most uh, entrepreneurs or business people work in. I also feel like you're, your upbringing and your humility allows you to be really successful in your role. Like where you, and you have such an extreme amount of humility, like where does that come from? I don't know. I don't know. I think, I mean, I've, I've seen my parents, I've seen my grandparents, I've lived, you know, with many elders in my life and I've, I've had a deep connection with really some amazing human beings that I think I just, by, by watching them, learning from them and, you know, them leading by example is what I, I kind of picked up on. And I don't know how, where humility comes from. I just feel like it's something that I always want to be, you know, I, I, I hope that's such a wonderful compliment. I'm like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's something I would love to, you know, keep uh, aspiring to. I think humbleness is incredible in this, in this day and age. And you do, you manage, you know, you manage a big household, you got, uh, grandparents, you have a husband, you have four grown, I mean, the kids are grown now, but like you still are a mother of four daughters. You run a large family foundation. Like how do you manage it all? What is your secret to success in managing all of it at the same exact time and keeping it, keeping it all together? Really? Yeah. I think balance. I think I just, I'm terrible. I'm, I'm not a good organizer. <laughs> you know, I'm always looking for planners. Like how do I figure this out? You know, somebody help me, but it's, it's just, um, Every morning I wake up, what's my intention? What do I need to do? You know, and I first say a, a prayer and I, and that prayer is my intention for the day. Mm. And if that's my clarity, I am clear from that moment on that I step out of my bed. And once I'm out, then I'm okay. I'm ready. What's what, what do I need to tackle today? And I had just have compartments, you know, I have like compartments that, okay, today's going to be the foundation day that I need to tackle these items. And then this is the farm day because also, I also run the farm. So, okay, the farm, right. what do we need to do with the farm? Which is my passion project. I mean, I love, love, love the farm. So there's so many wonderful gems in my life. You know, I've got the foundation, the farm, I've got my family, my extended family. So for me, it's like waking up every morning, just being happy and blessed. I'm so blessed. I cannot complain about a single thing. I am. If I ever complain, I'm not happy. It's not, it's like something I'm like, something's wrong with you, Maya. What are you doing? You know, I have to check myself um, because I, I, I don't have anything that I can complain That's so about. so beautiful. I often go to you for parenting advice and I'm fathering or I'm trying to parent two young rambunctious little kids. Um, but you've raised four beautiful girls so effortlessly. What is, what are some of the most important lessons as you look back at raising all your children and, and they are now old and have left the nest, but like generally speaking, what are, what are some of the biggest lessons that you learned in raising independent, strong women? 
I think, you know, I, I definitely did not have the answers. I did not know what I was doing. Always scared to death. Am I doing the right thing? And am I a good mother? Questioning, asking, learning, reading, completely like vulnerable all the time. You know, I, I wasn't ever comfortable. I was always scared. Like, okay, did I do the right thing? And my children had a lot of health issues throughout their, you know, growing up years. And so it was very difficult for me. I was always consumed by whatever they were going through. And so was I actually giving them what they needed? Was I being authentic to them? You know, it was always a question. Um, but I, then I left it, you know, at some point I was like, okay, this is the best I can do. You know, I'm right. giving it all. I don't have anything left. This is it, you know? Right. And, and after that I left it and I, and, and things worked out, you know, and my faith really, my spiritual faith helped me the most because then I, it separates me from taking all that responsibility and just letting nature take its course with, mm. with them. And they're, that. I think children are so intuitive and they already have everything that they need. They just need a support system, you know, and I think that's what we, um, as a family, I had a really great support system and all of them helped me raise the children. It wasn't just me or Sunil, you know, it was all of us that were there for them and, that is beautiful. I think that's what I think gives them the confidence. That's what gives them the ability to get up and, and go and know that there's, you know, if they fall back, there's always somebody that's going to help them through it, you know, and that's, and that's the extended family. That's everybody, all of us around each other can lean on each other. Where else can you get that? You know, so I feel that the biggest blessing in my life has been my family. I, I, I look at them as my, as my mentors and my saviors. If somebody is, sort of new to philanthropy. And I think that, you know, the philanthropy world is sort of a ecosystem that most people engage with at the later part of their career or their life, right? Just based on like socioeconomics, like how people, people work most of their life. And then they're like, okay, now I want to give back. Right. But I think if you can interlace that more in your every day or every month or what have you in your life, like what are some really simple, easy ways to engage in philanthropy for people who don't have a family foundation or people who don't really know where to go, what, what are some really easy steps to, you know, engage that part of your life? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, you know, there's so many simple things that we can do and it's one, one quick um, note was when the children were growing up, you know, we used to take them to these, you know, forums and things like that. And they were talking amongst different peers and it, they always said like, we don't have any money to give, you know, we don't have any money, but, you know, I can give my time. I can give my, I have, I can make a really special something for you. Or like, mm -hmm. it was very innocent, but very like simple things that really made us realize that it's not about the money. It's really never is about the money. It's about your heart and giving, right? Like serve, right. an act of service. <clears throat> exactly. I mean, right. That's exactly what it's it is. It's about and an act of service. I, that's right. Act of service, nothing more, you know, and, and if you can just see and acknowledge that human being that's next to you or, is acknowledge them and say, Oh, what can I do? Can I, you know, can I hold your hand or, mm. you know, let's talk, let's, what do you, whatever it is, the simplest things are the most powerful things. And so uh, volunteering, doing things that you can do through, even through at home, like making kits or there's lots of activities that you can engage your children in as well. And it doesn't have to be just, you know, the parents that are doing it, but the whole family can get into it and do something um, writing cards, you know, giving uh, elderly people, some love, you know, and talking to the homeless person that's on the street, you know, acknowledging them, things like that. Very simple things. As, um, I mean, we're kind of here in the last couple of days of 2021. Mm -hmm. And as you reflect on 
this past year, what are some of the most important lessons that you've learned in 2021 or maybe some of the most difficult things that you've learned as you take into 2022? I think one of the biggest things for me was I was always looking on the outside and trying to please everybody on the outside and make sure that everybody was well taken care of. But I had to I, I, there came a point when I, I had to go inside. And I that's not that's not the nature of an Indian woman in a household. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Taking care of everyone else except for yourself. I don't know what you're yeah, talking about. That's, that's, that's nothing. But yeah, that was big for me. I was like, okay, I need to take time and space for Maya. Maya needs to be well taken care of. I need to take that you know mask and put it on myself and mm-hmm. say, oh, I need some space. I need some time. And ask for it, you know, and, and be okay with that. So that was my number one thing. And also like socially, you know, trying to fit everywhere and go to every event and try to be everywhere all the time. I just can't do it anymore. And I realize that I'm happier being at home. I'm a homebody, you know, basically. And so just making adjustments, making adjustments in what is important, what is not important. And just give, going back to nature, just spending more time at the farm or being mm-hmm. out taking walks and simple, simple everyday things, making meals together, just just letting go of all the fuss and all the excess and just being being real. That was it. What are you most looking forward to for 2022? Um, well, lots of things. Lots you know, of I, things. I think for, for us is in work, uh, you know, I'm taking this big role as CEO and I think that's going to be really challenging for me, but I'm, I'm in it again. Let's see what the next few years look like. And um, we just want to make more impact. We want to make sure that we get more people what they need and, you know, make this place uh, a good place to live and to leave it in a better place for the next generations that are to come. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, how can people find you or the foundation if they're, if they want to engage? Um, I think we have a Instagram page. <laughs> we <have laughs> we'll put all the links in the thing, but yeah, I wanted you to got a lot of cool things like that, that we can all engage with, but I'm always available and I'm, I'm happy to speak to everybody. And I just, um, you know, thank you for this opportunity. And my final question as we wrap up here is to you, what does it mean to be rich? Hmm. To me, to be what it means to be rich is to have a, a rich family, a family full of love, a family full of um, togetherness, connectedness. That's rich equals family to me. Mm. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Maya Foy. Thank you. And I uh, love you very much. Thank you for sharing all of that. And just want to just really honor you for all the work that you do, not only for the foundation, but for the family and for the thousands, if not tens of thousands of people that you guys impact uh, on an annual basis. Um, And you guys are such a great team and um, just really, I want to honor you for that and all the work that you guys do. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Thank you for listening to the Rich Equation Podcast with Ashish Nathu. Do you want more ideas on how to live rich? Go to richequationpodcast.com for show notes and resources. Then take one minute to leave Ashish a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And we'll see you on the next episode.